The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> J.P. Shepard, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome to the new era. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into Huddle Up on a Wednesday afternoon with Bucky Brooks, John Osier, I'm J.P. Shadrick. It's Wednesday, March 9th, and coming up, massive quarterback news around the league. Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Russell Wilson leaving Seattle in exchange for a King's Ransom. Plus, wide receiver D.J. Chark working out with Trevor Lawrence. What does it mean for his future in Teal? And plenty more ahead as well. Let's start with the biggest news for the Jaguars this week, though, guys. The Jags have used the franchise tag on left tackle Cam Robinson, $16.6 million guaranteed in 2022 if he signs the tender. The team and Robinson have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal or they'll work on the franchise deal if he signs it. Uh, he allowed one sack last year. Bucky, are you surprised by this move at all? I am not surprised by the move. Um, I want to say John Owen and I talked about this last week how that could set the stage for the dominoes when it comes to the draft and how this team is built by securing Cam Robinson on the tag and maybe a long-term deal. It enables you to kind of free up yourself from uh, having to commit to taking an offensive tackle at the top of the board. Um, You still have the opportunity to put Walker Little in the lineup somewhere, and then maybe you turn your efforts towards getting a pass rusher or another position at the top of the board. Bucky, I think we talked about it last week, but um, in trying to sort of predict what they would do, I kept going back to this. And we may have talked about it, and it's what may have uh, stuck in my mind. Um, The idea that from a GM's perspective, when you're looking at your roster, you've only got X amount of players that you feel like are frontline guys. Had you let Cam go, you're taking one drop out of that bucket, if you will. And you've got to fill yeah. it back up with another drop, which would probably be in the draft. Well, the idea of uh, of uh, keeping Cam is you keep that in the bucket and then add one more into the bucket. Uh, as the former scout, that's how personnel people think, right? Yeah, I mean, what you're trying to do is you're trying to look at it in team building. You're trying not to do it in an isolated fashion. So what you want to do is you want to weigh your options. If I have this player and that player, do I like that uh, option better than, okay, I can take this draft pick and another player? So it's almost like, um, what is the plan? Price is right. Showcase showdown. Where you get opportunity <laughs> yeah, to figure yeah, out which cool. one that you want at the end. Um, you get you get to figure out which one that you wanted in. And so that's what you're doing in the office. You're trying to figure out, okay, what gives us the best opportunity to hit all the needs and all of the things that we must address with the best personnel. And obviously, after doing the evaluation, Cam Robinson was in that picture because if you're Doug Peterson and you're trying to figure out what's the best way for us to get this rolling, do I want to break in a newbie at left tackle? Do I want to go with someone who may have some flaws, but at least I know what those are, and we feel confident enough that maybe we can mask some of those deficiencies while getting the rest of the pieces of the puzzle right? Just remember, John, to have your pet spayed or neutered. Help control the pet population. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, so now, Bucky, what? You know, I said last week, and I said all off season. This is the most uh, intriguing puzzle that I can remember on the Jaguars' offensive line, and maybe it's a reflection of the way the league's going in the sense that 
offensive linemen can play more positions now. You know, you see more guys who can play left and right tackle. Uh, but I'm not sure what they're going to do. I mean, I'm assuming Walker Little to the right. Does that mean Jawan Taylor swing? Does it mean he can play inside? Uh, who are you trying to bring back? I'm assuming Ben Barch is a starter and A.J. Cann's not. But I still don't know how this offensive line is going to look even with this move. And Jawan's not a left tackle, though, right? To swing, right? Buck? Well, um, or is he? You know, like, so So here's the thing. One, <clears throat> the right tackle and the left tackle, now they're more common than uncommon in terms of, like, being dissimilar in terms of job description and the kind of players that you want there. Now your right tackle needs to be just as nimble as your left tackle because teams are putting the premier pass rusher at left defensive end against the right tackle. So uh, I think with Walker Little, he can go there. I think Juwan can kind of kick inside. Uh, you have to make a decision and a determination. What's the best five that you can put on the field? And with a new offensive line coach and a new offensive philosophy, it'd be interesting to see how they hold their best five in, in, in top regard. And let's be honest, how do they view Walker Little in comparison to the other guys that are in this draft class at the top? If they view him as better, then maybe that might be the impetus between what, behind why they may bypass an opportunity to take a guy at number one. A lot of it is due to the self-evaluation and how you really evaluate your team compared to what could be available on free agency and in the draft. Also, to JP's point, um, I don't know that Jawan Taylor can swing over to left, but if you've got him as your theoretical swing guy, mm-hmm. if Cam were to get hurt, you could move Walker Little to left yeah. and move Jawan in because Walker Little can you know can do both. So it's not a true swing, but it it gives you options at that position and some flexibility. I think. And another thing here, Bucky, with Walker Little, he played nine games last year, three starts last season. One of those was. Literally 15 minutes before his first career start, he found out Cam Robinson had the back issue, and then here mm-hmm. comes Walker Little into the game. It's not a huge sample size from from games and tape and things on the field, but obviously this crew drafted him for a reason. They did draft him for a reason, and you're right. The sample size isn't um, significant, but part of what you're doing is you're gambling on the upside, and you're saying that this guy's going to get better with more reps and opportunity, and so – uh, with that experience, we feel like he'll develop enough expertise to be able to be successful. It is, look, it's, it's a roll of dice, but it's a roll of dice with anybody that you put into the lineup, whether you, you know, talk about the top pick or those things. I think what the ultimate goal is to build the best team. And we kind of have to wait until we see all the dominoes fall to see how they attack the team building process so we can confidently say whether we believe they built or they are presenting a better team or if this is a team that has a lot of questions still, regardless of all that flurry of activity. What about still drafting mm. an offensive tackle? Mm. Keeping Cam on a one-year tag, mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. Evan Neal at guard for a year. Beef it up. And then kick him out if you don't re-sign Cam to what you would hope is his long-term position at left tackle. The Jonathan Ogden plan, if you will, Buck. I mean, if you feel good about the guys at the top of the board, if you view any of these offensive tackles – uh, like that, yeah, that's certainly an interesting plan. Um, I would say this. I would say after the combine, um, rather than kind of penciling in Evan Neal for that, I think you have to talk about Iki Aquanu. Um, and maybe if you're going to think about that kind of plan, maybe Iki Aquanu, because he's not quite 
like the polished left tackle type in terms of just his playing style and his refined technique, but he is a bit of a bully um, in the bar. He uh, he certainly would be intriguing if you opted to go about it that way. Wait a minute, uh, Bucky. I think it's a good option. Hold, 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 hold on. Hold, you hold, said hold, something. Hold, hold on. Hold. You tore up your board. What? You just changed your whole board. board. You just told me you never tear up a board. Now you tear up your board. You put Icky up top. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say that. I said the conversation <laughs> has to be that. It had to put the conversation in that. Like all those guys are closely graded. Icky Kwanu, Evan Neal, even Charles Cross. Like they all are. They all carry close grades. We're we're still trying to sort it out. Bucky as we back we're to trying Jackson. to get them in. And started taking Why? magnets off the draft board. Yep, he's moving no, around. No, no, <laughs> no. We're just trying to get him in the neighborhood. I, I'm not trying to get him in the house yet. I got him until <laughs> April. I got to the end of April to get him in the house. I just got him in the neighborhood. We're behind the gated fence, gated community. We're in the gated community. I just don't know a house. Where does Aiden Hutchinson fall in your, uh, you know, among those offensive linemen? If you were in your board right now, Bucky Brooks' big board after mm. the combine. Is Aiden mm. up there amongst those tackles? He's your guy, right, Buck? Yeah. He's he's yeah, he's a good guy, man. He's 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 everything that you want. But I would say this, in having the opportunity to talk to all of those guys at the top, the only one I didn't talk to was Cross. I talked to uh Evan Neal, I talked to Icky Kwanu, Aiden Hutchinson, I talked to Kayvon Thibodeau. All of them are fairly good, all of them are solid, all of them bring different things. The offensive lineman Evan Neal and Iki Kwanu, they're very mature and serious about their approach. Uh, Evan Neal, to me, is kind of like the technician of the group. Uh, you kind of know what you're getting, you know. Whatever car you want to do it, I know we don't have sponsorship or whatever, but I would say, like, <laughs> it's just a solid car that is going to go. Because normally I would, I would reference, like, a, a Honda or a Camry, like, hey, you just put it in and run for 200,000 miles, 200, miles, yada, yada. But I can't do that. So, um, like, solid. Uh, Iki Kwanu maybe have more upside than all of them, but he's a little more mauler brawler type. And so there could be some growing pains that you experience because he's not necessarily as refined as you want him. But what he brings is just a freakish athlete with outstanding uh, mauler brawler skills and a nasty temperament that, I mean, he changes kind of the temperature and the climate of, of your old line room when he steps in there. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, to me, is a mix of all those things. Like, when I talked to him and some of his teammates, they just talked about how he was the point on the sword. He's the unquestioned leader. His work ethic is, look, man, is, is, is unmatched in terms of the way that he sets the tone, how he comes in the building, how he works, how he plays, the effort that he displays in between the lines and those things. That said, there are some people that believe that he is what he is, and he may not get better. To me, I'm like, well, at least I know what I'm getting. I'm getting a very, very good player. And then Kayvon Thibodeau is the wild card because, look, by his own admission, he compared himself to Jadavian Clowney, which might not have been the best comparison to put out there, right? And in terms of, like, the flasher skills, in terms of um, those things, he later came back and told me the reason he made the comparison was he was trying to best his numbers at the combine, not necessarily playing style. But when you hear some of the stuff about him and those things, people have wondered whether he'll play hard enough consistently, whether he's maybe more preoccupied with the brand and all of those things. That said, he's a really smart player. He's a really athletic player. And he is a known commodity in terms of what he was able to do on a big stage for three years at Oregon. Of those guys, I would say the safest pick to me would be Aiden Hutchinson. But I don't know if you could go wrong with the other guys as well at one. 
By the way, uh, remember this uh, program on Wednesday afternoons was presented by the Fields Auto Group, uh, especially Fields Cadillac of Orange Park and St. Augustine. See? So Cadillac. I didn't know. See, you could tell me Cadillac. I mean, Cadillac, like, kind of like a DeVille, you know? Oh, those are not. Do they still make those? I don't think so. I don't know. I just gone. remember way back in the day, my granddad used to, man, Cadillacs are big, you know? They are big, yes, and they're uh, they're fast yeah. and they're uh, they're very nice these days as well. Yeah. Uh, this is the Huddle Up Podcast. Bucky Brooks, John Osier, I'm JP Shadrick. Let's hear from General Manager Trent Bulky. He sat down at Radio Row this past week in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine with Ashlyn Sullivan and John Osier. Asked about his approach to free agency. No, the plan's aggressive. I think, you know, the, the, again, the fan base expects it, the fan base, but we're going to be smart. We're not just going to go make a move to make it uh, because the, the locker room, and, th- and this is what fans don't see a lot of times, you know, the players in those locker rooms, they know what's going on, and they know a good player from right. a bad player. Turn on the film, they see it. They're the first ones to know. So yeah. just because you go out and make a splash in free agency and everybody gets excited, how often do those players turn out to be difference makers? Right. And when the locker room's looking at it, and the big thing we have to change in Jacksonville is when you look at our roster, there's not enough players that are on their second contract with the Jaguars. That's telling. And the only way to change that is to draft good players, develop them, and once you've developed them and they're, they've established themselves, is keep them. Do everything you can to keep them because they're hard to find. Right. That's Trent Baalke this past week. John, you were sitting right there, yes. I was, and you know, I think that's what sort of caused me to start thinking, second contract, you know, if it's not uh, Cam Robinson, it's probably DJ Chark. Um, so how are they going to get to keeping second contract, guys? You know, when – GMs and coaches speak at the combine. It's it's in front of free agency, JP and, and Bucky. So you guys know they tend to get kind of cryptic. They'll talk about concepts and not specifics. To me, they were talking about something when they were talking about bringing guys back. So if they weren't going to do it with DJ Chark, then it probably had to be Cam Robinson. So that's why I I started trying to piece together. Yeah, they've got to be bringing somebody back. Yeah, well, they've already tagged Cam Robinson since then, so the, that leads us to the DJ Chark story. He wasn't drafted by Balky, but this falls right in line with what you're saying, John. Um, pending free agent, broke his ankle in Week Four last year, has a Pro Bowl on his belt. There's reports of other teams interested in the marketplace. Should he come free? And and now all of a sudden, Bucky, there's an Instagram story. If you're into social media, reading all the tea leaves and cryptic things that happen there. Well, yesterday on Tuesday, Chark was running routes with Trevor Lawrence at Bishop Kenny High School, just across the river here in Jacksonville. So, what does this all mean? Mm. I mean, they have a nice connection. It means that they're continuing to try and build on the chemistry and all of those things. I think the big thing would be. You know, what does Trevor feel about DJ Chark? Like, we didn't get a chance to see that connection, really. So, how does Trevor feel about him? Does he really view him as a number one, a trusted guy? Because, you know, the quarterback's voice carries weight in the building. And then the other part will be, what is DJ Chark looking for financially in this deal? Coming off of two seasons in which, one, the production wasn't, wasn't at a high level, and then he had injuries. I don't know what his market is. You know, and I know we can get excited about him because we're kind of kind of glued to him because the Jags are our team. But 
where does he stack up in comparison to some of the other great receivers around the league? That'll ultimately set the market, and that'll determine how much money is is needed to bring him back. Sure, you would like Trevor to have a, a trusted target, someone that he can lean on, someone that he's kind of built chemistry with, but I think it all comes down to the price. If the price is right, hey, you do it again. If not, you may have to find another player that can be the number one. Another price is right, right? Another one. He's dropping. Here I mean, we go. Here we go. wow. So, uh, When's Plinko? I mean, is that coming up? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite. I do like Plinko. Like, let's take it down. I mean, it's one that and the um, this, the the mountain climber. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> right. Here's a couple of thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with bringing DJ Chark back. Uh, I think even at a good number, there's nothing wrong with it. I believe he's going to be a better player year five through eight than he was uh, year one through four. I, I don't know if he's a one. I think sometimes we get too caught up in WR1, as Bucky likes to say. I mean, uh, I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good player. Like Bucky said, the number has to be right. The more I think about the DJ Chark story, um, I don't know if he's Trevor's guy, but they spent some time together last summer. Trevor's a good guy. Um, from DJ Chark's point of view, why would you uh, – why would you post that or have that posted or want that out there if you weren't coming back to the Jags and working with Trevor Lawrence? Well, he sustained a serious broken ankle in September. You're ten days away from free agency. Put it out there, there that you can run. Yeah, running around. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I think that uh, the note on it said "slowly but surely" was yeah, what he put on there. But getting it out there but that he's he out can there do running. it, yeah. uh, I think, is more of a. It, it strikes me, I don't think DJ have any problem with coming back, but it strikes me that that's more of a let's get it out there that I'm healthy than any sort of cryptic sign that he's coming back to the Jags automatically. Although, I mean, I said it over and over again. I hope he's back. I think he's a good kid, good for the organization. I hope they can make it work. I think they'd like to make it work. But it's a tricky deal financially. We'll see. Next couple weeks will be big. Of course, free agency officially and the start of the league year Wednesday, 4 o'clock next week, a week from today. Massive quarterback news around the NFL. Russell Wilson on the move. Aaron Rodgers is not, apparently. That's after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast with Bucky Brooks and John Osier. I'm J.P. Shadrick. The Daily's play schedule filling out for the spring and summer. John, you're going to be busy. Brothers Osborne, April 8th. Lil Dirk, April 19th. Tim McGraw, May 5th. Erica Badu with Ja Rule and Goody Mob. That's May 6th. The Offspring, May 7th. Two Nights of the Lumineers, May 17th, 18th. Sting, May 20th. Chicago, May 22nd. The Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald, June 5th. And all the information at dailiesplace.com. Any of those stand out, John, to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the old guy. Uh, <laughs> Michael McDonald. That's right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> Oh God! Chicago, oh, God. the Doobie Brothers, and that's in my wheelhouse from the seventies. Doobie Brothers, oh smokes! Yeah, but but in my defense, I could name you four or five Offspring songs. I mean, I, you know, they had a run there mm. in the nineties. Now that's old too. Now, I mean, it, that's correct. That's the problem. Mm. To me, the Offspring are the young punk band that got popular off the backs of the punk bands that I really really liked. You know, now JP, the problem is. I'm not only the old Doobie Brothers guy, mm-hmm. I'm the old get-off-my-lawn punk rocker guy. You're so, old and double old. Yeah, so, 
I've I've got yeah. nothing for you with uh, Ja Rule. I think uh, yeah, yeah, that's not on my plate. I, I wonder. I think CeeLo's with Goody Mob again, Bucky. I don't know. Yeah, Goody Mob. Yeah, we can go see Goody Mob May 6th. I just wrote that down on my calendar. Atlanta. Oh, is that man. who Ja Rule's with? No, uh, Eric Badu's the lead, no. and then there's the, those I do are the kind of like Goody Mob, to be yeah, honest. See, with you. that's okay, the two supporting you. acts. Yeah, right. yeah, so we can do a, we can do a few different things. What else do you like in there, Bucky? Anything? I, I, I left out Dave Matthews Band. They're coming in June, two nights. No, why? Way to bury the lead. I think Dave the the has all the tickets. For yeah, those Dave are Matthews all Matthews Band. Right, I need to uh, work some sources for those shows. Oh, wow, yeah. it's sold out in like ten minutes. I think I don't know if it's sold out, but. In theory, they do all the time. Yeah, they're uh, yeah. they're not my guys, but they have a cult following. They do indeed. Apparently, Bucky's into them as well, and we'll try to get that done, <laughs> Bucky. That I don't know if that's in the contract or what. We'll work on that. Um, Tuesday, obviously, a significant news day in the NFL it was franchise tag deadline day. Eight teams tagged franchise players around the league, of course, including the Jaguars. We mentioned that earlier. But that news was quickly overshadowed by massive quarterback news. First, Pat McAfee announced on his show that Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Packers. Later, the initial numbers came out. Four years, $200 million, much of that guaranteed. Rodgers later said that the numbers weren't exactly accurate, but confirmed he will be with the Green Bay Packers. Bucky, it's a miracle. They figured it out. He's staying in Green Bay. It is a miracle. They have figured it out. He's staying in Green Bay, and the numbers that they're banting about uh, four-year, $200 million extension reportedly with $153 million in guaranteed money is significant. It pushes the quarterback market, which we want to pay attention to, for elite quarterbacks, $50 million per. That is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of green. That's a lot of lettuce for quarterbacks now. It changes the dynamic. And what would be interesting, because once Rodgers does that, then, you know, Russell's going to get paid and Lamar Jackson and all these other guys are kind of start getting in line to get their money. And so this makes it for an interesting thing in a couple of years when we have to look at the Trevor situation. It does. It pushes the market. And, uh, you know, I'll say this as the old guy again, um, <laughs> knowing this never happens. Uh, teams have to be smart, but it's hard to be smart. I think the Packers paying Aaron Rodgers whatever he wants. Absolutely, he he's proven it. Uh, you know, with pretty strong conviction that if you pay him fifty million dollars a year, you got a pretty good swing at going twelve and four, and and being in the conversation at the end. Um, do you feel that as strongly? If you feel that at ten. Where do you feel it on Russell Wilson? Mm-hmm. An eight? I mean, I, I think Russell's really, really good. Do you feel that he's getting you 12 by himself? Like, I mean, it's never by himself, but you know my point. Yeah. It's a guarantee. It's almost a guarantee with Aaron Rodgers. It's almost a guarantee with Tom Brady. Uh, Jackson, Russell, maybe a little bit below that, but they're going to get paid mm-hmm. like it at some point. Yeah. So it's going to push that market. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got your Kyler Murray's where it's all being pushed on assumption, but that's also going to be raised by Aaron Rodgers. So as Bucky likes to say, Bucky loves his sayings. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to come back with me right now of the uh, rising tides raise all boats, if you will. But that's what's going on. And it's, it's not a good thing, 
but there's good and bad ramifications of any contract like this. Well, then the Broncos, of course, later on Tuesday told us what they they thought uh, about Russell Wilson with the blockbuster trade apparently going down. uh, Wilson in the sixth-round pick going to the Broncos in exchange for the following. Get your pencil and scorecard ready. Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. That's in theory eight players if they pick all the picks. And, of course, the Seahawks later cut Bobby Wagner, so it's full rebuild mode in Seattle. But the Broncos are going all in on the quarterback. Here's the thing that cracked me up. Russell Wilson and a sixth-round pick. <laughs> just to balance it out We're i know make it even. the scout guy and all picks are all picks are valuable but that's basically like hey we'll send you russell wilson oh and i see your iphone's broken here's a case <laughs> yeah I mean, that's, that's exactly what that's exactly what happened they're like oh yeah we'll we'll, we'll sweeten it they threw a little i gotta have one more thing to make sure <laughs> yeah i gotta have one more thing to make it right uh look man i i, I think what we're seeing is some of this is the fallout or the reaction to what the Rams were able to do successfully in winning a Super Bowl. Back-to-back years, we've seen two teams that have made major moves at quarterback that were able to parlay those moves into championships. And so because of that, it has created maybe a new team-building model where people are going very aggressively to get a franchise quarterback that they believe can take them over the top. And so with Russell going to the Denver Broncos, it changes the narrative. Now, I'll sit here and say, I don't know if Russell is good enough to lead the Broncos to even winning that division in a division which you have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, you have Derek Carr. I don't know where he stacks in that division. I don't even know if he's the second best quarterback in that division with Justin Herbert. But I think it's interesting because now everybody in the AFC has to begin to gear up for an arms race at quarterback because in the AFC you have Josh Allen that we're talking about. You have Lamar Jackson, who's been an MVP. You have Joe Burrow who just took his team to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, the quarterback play in the AFC is amazing. And just the and, AFC West alone now. I mean, that entire division. Yeah, has I mean, it, like it's, it's a lot. We, we don't know what's going to eventually happen with Deshaun Watson, but I mean, you're talking about an arms race. Where now, from the Jaguars' perspective, you have to look at that and you have to build your team ultimately with those teams in mind. How are you going to win shootouts against those quarterbacks in this conference? Big question. Speaking of arms race. Yes. uh, Or uh, team building. I do have a question that I wanted to get to the top with Bucky, but I don't want to let it uh, sort of slide. Uh, Bucky, on on, uh, one of your uh, uh, Move the Sticks podcast and yes i do listen to buck even when he's not on this show oh, um, wow. Big. Big I, flew, wow. I fluked into it it's not a habit i did it you fell into one um <laughs> you fell but into one. you made a fascinating comment to me and i uh, i liked your cynicism a little bit and i felt like maybe i'm rubbing off on you a little bit when you talked about <laughs> when you talked about the speed we saw at the combine this week and that yeah. was the other topic was the speed I sensed from listening to you that you were impressed with the speed at wide receiver, but something bothered you about this wide receiver class. Can you expand on it? Uh, uh, it yeah, seemed like, like you were so, seeing through some sort of facade. 
not, not necessarily a facade, but here, here's what I would say, that a lot of guys ran fast in a straight line. But normally when you're evaluating players and you're doing the testing part of it, typically if you run fast, you also jump high because it correlates with the overall explosiveness that an athlete had. The issue with the wide receiver class that we saw, a lot of these guys ran fast in a straight line, but we didn't have many guys that jumped verticals over 35 and they didn't pop broad jumps that were over 10, 3, 10, 5. And what that signifies is, one, they're not really explosive in the lower body. And so these straight line guys that have been kind of working on the straight line speed, that's great, but they don't necessarily have um, some of the explosiveness that you want to see in the lower body. The other thing is all these guys that were running fast, they were all lightweights, a bunch of flyweights. And that really bothers me, it sounds like. 185 pounds. Yeah, little dudes. And we've said this, hey, man, there's a reason why you don't put middleweights in the ring with heavyweights. You don't win the slugfest. And when you look at the postseason, those wide receivers that were having success and the teams that were having success were bigger, faster, stronger. And so while I respect and appreciate all the speed that was on display during the wide receiver drills. I want bigger wide receivers. I want bigger corners. It's a big man's game, and it's hard for the little guys to survive. Over the course of a 17-game regular season, it's just harder. It's just harder to win with smaller guys on the perimeter. How many teams are looking for Tyreek Hill right now, though, Bucky? Uh, Tyreek Hill is – Would he a flyaway? Would he be a middleweight? No, no, no. His... No, nah, he's yeah. out. But, like, he, he's he's built like a, a running back, so he's a little squatty. I think he's closer to 200 pounds. Right. And he's Everyone also explosive, right, now, right Buck? Right. Yeah, he is explosive. Yeah. His jumps and all this stuff. Got Everyone it. right now is looking for Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. and they're looking for the A.J. Brown types and the Jamar Chases. And when you look at the way those guys are built and the way they run through contact and tackles and all of that stuff, they're looking for guys that, that have a little something to them. And so I think that's the bigger thing. And the other thing is on the other side of the ball, you're looking for DBs who can tackle, get guys down in space because it showed up in the postseason. If your team can't tackle, you can't play, not only against the running game, but against the passing game. Uh, so you have to have those guys. But overall, I was impressed with the athleticism in the other positions, like watching the D-line group go, the edge rushes and D-tackles. It's crazy to see these 300 plus pounders move around like they're moving around on the turf that is something that you we're just not used to seeing before we close out yes. give me one guy buck um i'm convinced they've got to go wide receiver at 33 or somewhere oh, in there yeah. to trade up i mean you know who yeah. knows what actually happens that's um, the way i feel right now um who's your guy there i'm gonna stick with the guy that i've been kind of championing the whole time. There's a kid from Purdue named David Bill, who to me is a number one receiver that you can get outside of the first round. Uh, Not quite what Allen Robinson is, but very similar in terms of how he plays. A complete receiver that runs the intermediate part of the route tree, consistent hands, and break tackles and do all the things that you expect your lead receiver to be able to do. Top of the second round, I'm all over him. Uh, but there are going to be some other guys. Like I, I think the Arkansas kid is going to eventually drop out the first round, Traylon Burks. Uh, he's a bigger kid. Uh, he weighed in at 225, wow. I think. But Big. report I, I, a bird, Birdie told me that it might have been a little heavier when he showed up to his training facility. <laughs> so that worries me a little bit. But um, 
He has size. And I think when you're building this team out for Trevor, let's go back and look at the guys that he had around him at Clemson. He wasn't throwing the ball to a bunch of little pipsqueaks. He had some big guys on the outside that they were throwing to because what it does when you have bigger guys outside, you can throw up some of those 50-50 balls and win because superior size and length and athleticism tends to win out in those situations. That'll do it for the Huddle Up podcast today. Uh, Bucky, what do you have coming up this week? Oh, man, it's a fantastic week, man. A lot of stuff on the plate there, JP. Uh, Just reacting to all these quarterback moves and free agency and tags and all of that stuff, you know, trying to get my draft plans right. You're, you're redoing your board, it sounds like. I mean, yeah. that's what it sounds no, like. No, 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 the board, the board, the board stays pretty consistent. Like, we make some <laughs> tweaks. You know what I'm saying? Some tweaks, JP. Like, you don't change the recipe. You just may add a little dash of pepper here, a little salt, a little oregano, a little, like little stuff, you know? Okay. All right. And, and for people who don't know, I'm uh, dipping into your world a little bit, JP. I'm doing a tease. Uh, Bucky will be on our draft coverage on Jaguars.com this year. Excited for and, that. Uh, it, so that's... Uh, Something to look forward to. I, I know we're a ways out from that. But that's a new wrinkle yeah. we're showing. So I think it's going to be great, and he'll be helping us uh, leading up to the draft. So Absolutely, as he uh, always does. And we're looking forward to uh, expanding a little more. Yeah, that's it. Love it. More Bucky. I mean, yeah, that's, she, that's obviously our formula. So. More Bucky, less us. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's our mantra should, around here. Should, should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to getting number one pick. A lot of eyeballs on the number one pick. A lot of eyeballs. Oh, plenty of them. That's Bucky Brooks. For John Osier and Joe Fortunato, our producer, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We will catch you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.